Welcome to the Truth Hurts Program with Steve Z. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Truth Hurts Program with Steve Z. It is the second day of June 2022, so that means it's Thursday. Let's buzz through the headlines quickly, shall we? Kentucky Democrat that wore a noose in an ad highlighting the nation's history of lynching? You are a racist. That's all I have to say on that subject. Let's move along. Biden administration implements a racial spoils system. Whether you know it or not, the Washington Examiner says that Joe Biden and his administration are doubling down on the color-conscious policies that were the hallmark of his first year in office through a series of what he is calling action plans. The Biden administration released these action plans through every executive bureaucracy last month. Only this time, instead of coming out and admitting it, they're using a bid to avert legal reversals of the administration concealing racial spoils systems under bureaucratic euphemisms. I'll explain. The administration's 25 plans will implement discrimination as the official policy of the executive branch of the Biden administration. These programs will make the government far less efficient than it already is now, not efficient, and it will award contracts to uncompetitive bidders and waste taxpayers' money. This could lead to impairing our national defense, further hamper the drive for excellence or even adequacy in the nation's schools, and pretty much put a specific person in a position strictly because of the color of their skin. Biden started out this race plan when he demanded that his one choice to the Supreme Court must be a woman, therefore must have a vagina, and must be black. No other qualifications were necessary. Now, they did look at other qualifications. Do you have a law degree? Are you a crook? Are you a criminal? Do you have a history of drug use or mental illness? But his very first two requirements were vagina, black skin. Evidence of how this radical equity plans are can be seen in who participates in their inception and conception. In the process of praising the plans, the main Black Lives Matter organization revealed that it, Black Lives Matter, actually helped to write these plans. That's right, boys and girls. The Black Lives Matter Global Network Foundation says it worked with the Biden administration on these race-conscious policies even before he got into office. Biden's action plan is a major win for organizations like Black Lives Matter Global Network Foundation who have been working with the White House to develop it since the end of 2020, the organization said on their website, the day after plans were announced by the White House. The solutions in this plan are the result of tireless advocacy and organizing from the grassroots level and beyond, and we are heartened to see the result of so many racial justice advocates' hard work being written into federal policy today. That was an official statement from the BLM Global Network Foundation. The plans are part of an ongoing implementation of a Biden executive order. Quote, advancing racial equity and support for underserved communities through the federal government, unquote. And you know what? This was the very first thing that Joe Biden signed after taking office. 
even before he canceled the Keystone XL Energy Pipeline, even before he shut down drilling on oil and gas for federal lands. The very first thing he did was to sign this piece of racist, race-baiting legislation, not legislation, but executive order. They're doubling down on what they're calling equity measures, which are at war with American ideals, which are at war with the U.S. Constitution. You know, that pesky document that keeps getting in the way of turning this nation into a socialist country. These programs, these action plans that Biden has put into effect are doubling down on our democracy's demise. Remember that Constitution calls for equal treatment of all citizens under the law. But in Democrat land, the word equity has been changed. It now means the opposite of equal treatment under the law. Equity in the Biden administration's eyes, in the Democrats' eyes, means give things to a certain specific 13% hyphenated minority and they'll keep voting for you. Call everything equity and call anyone who speaks out about this racist agenda racist. It's a twisted, sick double standard. It is a spherical corkscrew. It really is. It is ridiculous and it's on its face. The word equity has come to mean the opposite of equal treatment in the hands of the Biden administration and movement allies such as BLM. Equity means that the government will treat Americans differently based not on need, but strictly on race, strictly on membership in an ethnic category that the government has created for them in the first place, strictly on a predetermined victimhood status that the government under the Democrats has now placed upon Blafrican Americans. One of these victimhood umbrellas is the LGBTQIA plus category, which means special consideration must now be given for federal contracts, for grants, for benefits that will be awarded to individuals based on their sexual preferences. If you're a straight, heterosexual, white male in this country and you identify as such, chances of you ever getting a job, chances of you ever getting a grant, chances of you ever getting any type of benefit from the government, much less a federal contract, are dwindling. Even though you stand firmly in the majority of the population, too bad, so sad. Right now, if you are a transgender, gay, pregnant man with black skin and African-like features, and you're married to another man who identifies as a woman who happens to be of Latino origin with a military background, even if you were discharged, you know, dishonorably, you have a better shot at getting a federal grant than I do as a heterosexual, Caucasian, straight white male. This so-called equity plan of the Biden administration calls for steering of contracts and other federal procurement processes towards favored identity groups within the Biden administration's protection for aberrant behavior and minorities. In the context of the hundreds of billions of dollars in annual federal contracting and procurement activity, this contract steering could be very damaging to the entire nation. 
This could either damage or benefit the countless businesses based on the characteristics of the owners and the employees instead of the quality and service record of a company. But of course, the Biden administration, the Democrats will never admit that this is the purpose. They will never admit to saying this is favoring someone based on their race, their gender, their sexual orientation. They hide the racial aspects behind such euphemisms as underserved, disadvantaged, marginalized. A look at the definition of these terms in federal regulations quickly reveals that they're simply synonyms for race or ethnicity or sexual orientation. The federal government, for example, defines the term underserved communities as, quote, populations sharing a particular characteristic, as well as geographic communities, that have been systematically denied a full opportunity to participate in aspects of economic, social, and civic life as exemplified by the list in the preceding definition of equity, unquote. Why all of the hiding? Why all of the subterfuge? Because such racially discriminatory policies directly violate the United States Constitution and are actually illegal under the Civil Rights Act of 1964. These types of racial quotas are not only forbidden by law, but they're reprehensible and they're overwhelmingly opposed by the public. If you ask an average person on the street, do you think it's fair to choose whether or not you can hire someone or give them a federal contract based on the color of their skin, the answer is overwhelmingly, of course not. That would be illegal. Having such race-conscious, dominating all-government actions is the number one objective of the far left that old gropey Joe currently finds himself beholden to now. At the end of a long career in which he showed nary an interest in civil rights measures, this is the subterfuge. The administration has begun its efforts to conceal the race-conscious policies early this year after multiple blowbacks against it earlier explicitly racially discriminatory approaches were called out by normal average Americans. Even the New York Times reported on this con game back on February 15th. Lisa Friedman wrote that the administration was using a new tactic, quote, worried that using race to identify and help disadvantaged communities could trigger legal challenges that would stymie their efforts Administration officials say they were designing a system to help communities of color without defining them as such, unquote. According to Ms. Friedman, Brenda Mallory, the chairperson of the White House Council on Environmental Quality, says, quote, believed the strategy would lead the government to the same places as a race-based approach, communities of color, unquote. Biden's 25 plans directly violate civil rights law, even if race is hidden behind code words. The intent is clear. Put in place a racial spoils system that discriminates in the awarding of government employment, contracts, benefits, grants, and even in what is supposed to be impartial administration of justice. Not only is this illegal against the law and fundamentally unfair, it is not what a country facing massive inflation, impending recession, a border crisis, and a massive crime wave needs right at this time. 
Congress and the courts must step in to stop this. This particular segment of the Truth Hurts program, I want to thank the Heritage Foundation, the Daily Signal, and the original writers, David Ditch, Mike Gonzalez, Aaron Dwinell, and Hans von Spakowski. Thank you for your participation in this piece. This is the Truth Hurts program. Greg Gutfield said on Fox News, with Joe Biden, the left pulled off one of the greatest bait and switches in political history. He says, here's Joe, just like new, except he's a moderate, just like old Joe. He's great for road trips and unifying. And then it turns out everything was a con job. The irony of this whole thing is that Trump got blamed for being a salesman, right? When basically all he was trying to do was sell himself. Then when he became president, sell America to the world. That was his job. Biden was the sale of the century, a con job orchestrated by the far left in order to get him in so they could fill him with their progressive agenda. It's probably one of the greatest bait and switches in political history, and we're alive to see it. That's true. Joe Biden claims to be this great unifier, yet he has divided this nation further than any other president that I can remember in my lifetime. He has lied from day one. He lied to get in. He lies every single day. He's lying to you by showing up every day and claiming to be the president when he's nothing more than a puppet. His strings being pulled by people like Barack Hussein Obama, Nancy Pelosi, Chuckle Schumer, George Soros, and God knows who else. He's being steered, of course, by the likes of the squad, Alexandria Horseface Cortez, Focahontas Elizabeth Warren, crazy Bernie Sanders, and of course that pesky black vote that he has chased, not to mention the gay vote that he has chased. And now he owes them all something. Senator Rand Paul and other Republicans are currently requesting information from the National Institutes of Health to fulfill a mandate put forth by the NIH in 2005, Republican senators are asking the agency to now disclose the royalty payments that were paid to staff between 2009 and 2020. A press release from Rand Paul, Republican senator from Kentucky's office, states that he and Republican members of the Senate Committee on Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs have sent a letter to acting NIH Director of Health Lawrence Tabak asking for information on disclosures of royalty payments made by third-party providers to NIH employees. Hmm, imagine that. In 2005, the NIH implemented a policy requiring employees to disclose royalty payments on consent forms for clinical trial participants. But the agency has taken no action to disclose those payments to the public. Nevertheless, we believe the American taxpayer deserves to know the degree to which government doctors and researchers have a financial interest in drugs and other products that they support and whether any relationships exist between federal grants awarded by NIH and royalty payments received by NIH personnel. Think Dr. Fufufufuchi for just a moment here. Additionally, Americans deserve greater transparency on how the hundreds of millions of dollars in royalty payments NIH receives are distributed 
and the degree to which NIH's leadership, already amongst the highest paid individuals in the federal bureaucracy, have benefited from this hidden revenue stream. This letter came after the nonprofit organization Open the Books submitted a Freedom of Information Act request to disclose the royalty payments made between 2009 and 2020. The agency only provided the names of employees receiving the payments and the number of payments they received between 2009 and 2014. The amounts of the individual payments, the innovation in question, and the names of the third-party payers were redacted by NIH. Press release says the senators asked NIH respond and provide requested information no later than 5 p.m. on June 17th. We shall have to wait and see if they comply. But then again, NIH is currently run by the Democrat administration of Joe Biden. So they'll probably just ignore the request because Senate won't hold them in contempt. Congress won't hold them in contempt. Who cares, right? Robert Francis O'Rourke, better known as Beto O'Rourke, the two-time election loser, the current Democratic gubernatorial candidate in Texas, has decided that people, again, should not be able to own AR-15s. Maybe he'll commit to the stance for more than a short period of time at a time. You might recall Robert Francis Beto, not really a Mexican O'Rourke, claimed, hell yes, I'm going to take your AR-15. Hell yes, I'm going to take your AK-47. When he was running for president. And then, when he lost his ass, he tried to run for Senate. And he said, no, come on, Texans, I'm not really going to try and take your guns away. Hell no. And then, later he says he doesn't think anyone should own a gun. And then, just a few weeks ago, while running for governor, he says, we're not going to take your guns. Texans have a proud tradition and background, strong supporters of the Second Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. I have no desire to take your guns. I just want common sense gun laws put into place. Code word for, I'm going to take your guns. But then, when the shooting happened in Uvalde, Texas, O'Rourke has now doubled down, saying he is once again going to take away your AR-15s. He has determined that people who own AR-15s, semi-automatic rifles of any type like them, should, quote, not be able to keep them, unquote. O'Rourke likely couldn't explain what a semi-automatic weapon even is or why he wants to confiscate nearly 20 million rifles from law-abiding citizens when rifles are used in only a very small percentage of homicides in a given year. Democrats make up this term, assault rifles, for anything that has a plastic housing. If it's got a wooden stock, it's a rifle. But if it's got plastic stock, well, then it must be an assault rifle. Democrats think assault rifles look scary. And that's good enough for them. And because Democrats are now demanding gun confiscation, Robert Francis Beto O'Rourke supports gun confiscation yet once again. Now, when he began his statewide political career back in 2018, trying to convince Texas voters that he was a centrist Democrat, he said, quote, if you have an AR-15, keep it, unquote. O'Rourke declared he didn't want to take anyone's guns from them. But then he lost to Senator Ted Cruz, 
and was somehow convinced that people wanted him to be president. <laughs> he tried to win over those Democratic primary voters. He completely reversed course from those comments saying, if you have an AR-15, keep it. He changed in a debate in 2019 and when he boldly declared, hell yes, we're going to take your AR-15, your AK-47. He attacked former South Bend Mayor Gay Pete Buttigieg for not supporting gun confiscation. He also said he would send police to the homes of gun owners who did not comply and simply hand over those weapons. He lost that race too, if you recall. Badly. So then he decided to return to running statewide in Texas, where he's, so far, made the mistake of trying to challenge Governor Greg Abbott. And now he's returned to pretending to be a centrist Democrat. Just a few months ago, Robert Francis Beto O'Rourke said about guns that he was, quote, not interested in taking anything from anyone, unquote. And that all he wanted to do was to, quote, defend the Second Amendment, unquote. But... Then there was this shooting in Uvalde, Texas. And because Democrat fervor is now demanding that politicians support the extreme anti-Second Amendment positions, Robert Francis Beto O'Rourke has now once again pathetically flippy-floppy-flippy-floppied his position once again. It won't make a difference in his chances, given the fact that his moderation wasn't going to save his doomed campaign that fake, phony, faux moderation he claims to be a centrist Democrat, but we all know he, like Alexandria Horseface Cortez, Elizabeth Warren, crazy Bernie Sanders, is nowhere near moderate in any way, shape, fashion, or form. This does set him up for his next campaign or career move because he can't stay out of the spotlight for very long. He's one of those guys, you know, his 15 minutes of fame felt good, so he wanted 15 more, and 15 more, and 15 more. And now, after the Uvalde shooting, he once again is claiming, yes, we need to take people's guns away from them. Most Democratic politicians are not worth listening to on gun control, because in general they know nothing about guns, and their so-called solutions have nothing to do with the shootings in which they shamelessly associate those guns. O'Rourke is far worse because he views these tragedies as not just a chance to push unrelated gun control, but as an opportunity to promote his own political career. Beto O'Rourke is true to the mantra of the Democrat Party, never let a crisis go to waste. And he is using, and yes, abusing, the tragic death of a bunch of children by a radical misguided mental patient who went and shot up a school in Uvalde, Texas full of children and saying somehow that you, me, and the average lawful gun-owning, registered gun-owning, law-abiding citizen should not be able to keep and bear arms as guaranteed by the Second Amendment to the U.S. Constitution that Mr. O'Rourke said he wants to defend that Second Amendment. O'Rourke is far worse because he is abusing this tragedy. He's nothing more than a weather vane with no principles and no beliefs other than people should simply give him political power because he wants it, because he's tall and has dark hair, 
because his daddy says, you can be anything you want to be, Robert Francis. And Robert Francis says, well, I'd rather be Beto. And I'd rather take everyone's guns away from him. Now, given that the voters of Texas are about to reject him yet again, this time the third time for major office, you'd think Beto O'Rourke would come up with a new strategy. We're laughing at him. Laughing at him each and every day. Just like we laugh at Whoopi Goldberg. She is, after all, supposed to be a comedian. She's supposed to be funny. But now, she appears every day on The View, where she tries to convince people that that somehow her political opinions matter and that she has some form of importance on the political arena. We're all still looking at you like a crazy black woman dressed up like a nun in Sister Act, Whoopi. Whoopi Goldberg is now suggesting banning AR-15s and arresting all of the owners, anyone who has an AR-15. She says, quote, report them and we'll put them in jail, unquote. That's right. The View host, Whoop-dee-doo Goldberg, suggested on Wednesday that people report and police arrest anyone who owns an AR-15. She compared it to what women are being threatened with if they seek out an abortion. I'm telling you, nuts and crazy runs big and strong within the Whoop-dee-doo and those on The View. Goldberg said, it actually is easy. It is easy. But the things that you could say to people which we don't say on this show, the things you could wish on people that we don't wish on this show to people because we know we've all met people who have had to deal with the death of a loved one at the hands of a gun, implied that they've simply been holding back on The View. A guest host on the show, Tara Setmayer, said, it would not be easy to ban guns in a country that has more guns than people. That's when Goldberg said it's actually very easy. She said that people who don't understand the need to ban AR-15s, one gun, she emphasized, will never see the need to make sure that people get the mental help they need. Setmeyer said people could still use handguns, like at the Virginia Tech shooting. Goldberg then responded with something she knows nothing about. A handgun does not turn people to dust, she said. No one was turned to dust. Another panelist, Sonny Hostin, claimed that when assault weapons were banned, mass shootings did go down. Then Joy Behar opens up her flappy mouth and says, It's the guns! It's the guns! It's the guns! Like the nut job she is. Whoop-de-doo Goldberg then said they were suggesting taking one gun out of the plethora of guns. What happens to the black market then? Setmeyer asked, saying that AR-15s are the most popular gun in the country. Let me stop you. AR-15s are not the most popular gun in the country. Period. That's a bold-faced lie, but it was said on The View, so it must be true, right? Whoop-dee-doo Goldberg responded, I'll tell you what happens. The same thing that happens that is being threatened to women who decide maybe I need to go talk to somebody about a abortion where they say, report them and we'll put them in jail. That's what. Setmeyer says it would need to be enforced. On May 25th, Whoop-dee-doo Goldberg said Republicans should be as aggressive about gun control as they are about being pro-life and protecting the unborn. Alito, she said, says abortion's not in the Constitution. Well, neither are AR-15s. Well, I guess the Constitution doesn't cover them either, Goldberg said. Life is so sacred, then stop using guns to abort young lives. Stop using guns. Well, here's a couple of problems with your logic or lack of logic, Miss Whoop-dee-doo Goldberg. AR-15s are in the Constitution. 
most definitely and absolutely, the right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. That's what the Second Amendment says. It's right there in the Constitution, whoop-de-doo Goldberg. And if you are so worried about young lives being killed by guns, whoop-de-doo Goldberg, why don't you go stand in the projects, in the inner cities, in the underserved communities, and talk those young thugs, those young criminals, into handing you their illegal guns. Oh, that's right. You have an armed security detail that protects you all the time, Whoop-de-doo Goldberg. By the way, Whoopi Goldberg is not her name. She is using cultural appropriation in renaming herself, rebadging herself as a Jewish person. That's the only reason she ever got accepted into the business. Some Jewish person said, oh, a comedian named Whoopi Goldberg? Sounds like a good name to me. Let's put her on The Tonight Show. That was the biggest mistake in Hollywood. And that is all the time I have for this edition of the Truth Hurts program. Opinions expressed are protected free speech under the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. I apologize if you were offended. <laughs> but I retract nothing because I speak the truth no matter what. And sometimes, unfortunately, the truth hurts. The program is copyright 2022. The Truth Hurts program network, all rights reserved. Recorded at Studio 63 in Bayou Country. Have a great day. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening. Opinions expressed are protected free speech under the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. We apologize if you were offended, but we retract nothing. Mm-hmm.